Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I'm your host, Josh Raley. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I've got another good one in store for you today. I'm talking with Matt Kashalik, conservation warden for the area where I hunt here in Wisconsin. And uh, hey, funny story, I actually ran into this guy twice while in the field. The first time was when I was getting ready to head back in and look for the the buck that I shot on October 16th last fall, the buck that I didn't recover. Uh, you can hear that story in, a, in another episode, but Matt saw me parked and hanging out at the road as I was getting ready to uh, head back in, waiting on the dog tracker, and he did a quick license check, let me go on my way. Then the next time we ran into each other was when I committed an unintentional game violation last spring. Now, I haven't shared that story on the show yet. I was waiting to get on here with Matt to share that and kind of explain exactly what happened and how it all went down. In this episode, we're going to talk about that and all sorts of other things like a a day in the life of a conservation warden, uh, common wildlife violations. We're going to talk about a bear getting drunk from an old lady's liquor cabinet. It's good stuff. And, uh, you know, with the upcoming archery season, it's really good to just go back and get a reminder on the regs. And so we're going to cover some of that stuff as well. It's a really good one. I had a great time recording it. Uh, You know, archery season just a few weeks away. Uh, I've been out here recently flinging some new arrows. I've been shooting black eagle arrows for the last two seasons. Been pretty happy with them, but they were a little bit on the heavy side, about 565 grains. This year, I knew I wanted to switch things up. I wanted not only to go a little bit lighter, try to flatten out my trajectory, but also wanted to give a local company vector arrows a chance and uh man i am late to the vector bandwagon i know that they create high quality gear i know uh that a lot of guys are shooting them and a lot of guys have been happy with them but i'm the kind of guy like hey if it ain't broke don't fix it and i've been shooting those black eagle arrows and so i was happy with those but as i was doing some research and looking into things Uh, And especially after having Isaac on the show a couple of times, I knew that the next time I got a dozen arrows, they were going to be from Vector. And last year I was also shooting a large single bevel broadhead and they did the job, but I was really disappointed in the performance. They just didn't leave a good blood trail for me. And my biggest issue was each one that I sent through an animal came out the other side pretty chewed up. That's supposed to be the whole point of shooting these big, single bevel broadheads as they maintain integrity through the animal and that just wasn't the case for me i won't mention the company by name but they were about uh, 80 dollars for three Uh, they were 200 grain they were razor sharp and each one that i put through an animal came out chipped up beyond repair on the other side and so when vector announced earlier this year that they were going to be doing broadheads i figured it was a good time to sort of make the full switch so that i was shooting arrows components and broadheads that were all made for each other 
Now Vector has the ZMR arrows, which are a little bit lighter, and they also have a second version of their HMRs, uh, which are a little bit heavier. And I opted for the HMR. Most of my shots are short range. I'm not going out west. All total, my arrow weight now is about 515 grains, which is right exactly where I want to be. And the, the broadheads haven't shipped yet, but these HMRs are flying great right out of the box. There was no need to, to tweak things. Uh, now I'm going to move my sight just a little bit, obviously, with the lighter arrows. But man, my bow was in tune and these things shot perfect right out of the box. So if you've been, you know, a bit hesitant to order from Vector because of the whole calculator thing, man, I got to tell you, I am a believer. These arrows fly just right for my bow. So I'm officially jacked for archery season. There are a few things that get me fired up, quite like getting a new set of arrows. And so, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. But hopefully you're dialed in. Hopefully you're ready to go. The opener will be here before you know it. And for next week's episode, we're actually going to be talking early season whitetails and trying to get it done in September or early October before the pressure hits. Hopefully that'll get you in the right mindset to get out and chase those early season bucks. I love, love, love hunting the rut. I got to say that most of my hunting here this year will be concentrated in two weeks during November. But man, there's just something about early season afternoons, scouting your way in, sneaking into where you think a buck might be bedding and trying to catch them on oaks or early season scrapes that, man, I, I just love that. So that's going to be a good episode. Looking forward to that one. A couple things to mention, if you would like to help support this show, a few things that you can do. Uh, first of all, go leave this show a five-star review, wherever it is you access your podcasts, uh, leave a written review. If you can do that next, follow along on Instagram, keep up with all that we're doing this fall. Now though, I need to highlight our partners I say this, it feels like each and every week now, but I could not be doing what I do at this point if it was not for these partners. So please go and support the brands that support this podcast. First up, Deer Lab. If you haven't tried Deer Lab yet, you're really missing out. It's a great app to keep track of all of your trail camera data and help you hone in on the deer that you're hunting. It syncs local weather, uh, lets you create profiles to track specific deer. You can mass edit timestamps. My favorite feature on there though, is the heat map that uses aggregate data to show you likely zones that your target is spending a lot of time. Now you can get a free trial from Deer Lab for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Just go over to their website, DeerLab.com. When that free trial's up, you can use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, and get 20% off of any of their plans. Next up, we have Huntworth. I just did a quick review of their Hickory backpack on the Wisconsin Sportsman Instagram page. And uh, man, I love this pack. It has plenty of room for all my gear, all my camera gear, all my extra clothes. It has lots of straps on the outside for your sticks, your saddle platform, whatever you're wanting to carry. Uh, it also has a really nice suspension system that helps keep the load where it needs to be. Packs in really, really nice. Keeps the load off your back, which is huge for those early season hunts when it's really hot outside. You can find that pack, the Hickory, and all the rest of their gear at HuntworthGear.com. And then finally, our title sponsor, Tacticam. If you've ever been in the woods and seen something awesome and thought to yourself, man, I wish I could share that with my buddies or with my family. Or if you've ever taken a shot that you're unsure about and you really wish, man, I, I wish I had a camera guy so that I could go back and watch the shot. Well, Tacticam has you covered with their 6.0 and their Solo Extreme point of view cameras. The 6.0 has a little screen on it, which is a significant upgrade in my mind from previous models. 
The Solo Extreme is a little friendlier to the pocketbook, but either camera, though, is going to allow you to share your hunt and relive those memories for years to come. Go check them out at Tacticam.com or RevealCellCam.com. Now, all that out of the way, let's enjoy the show with Matt Kashalik. Joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is Matt Kashalik with the Wisconsin DNR. Matt, what's going on? Not too much. Finally enjoying some nice, cool weather. Yeah, yeah. The evenings are getting uh, getting real nice right about now. It's got me uh, getting a little itchy for bow season. What about you? Bow season and excited for uh, some early teal and goose season coming up here. Oh, nice. You a big waterfowl hunter? Um, yeah. Ever since I moved back uh, to the home area here, I'm a big duck hunter and excited to get out on the river this year. And very good. Very good. Well, uh, to kick things off here, why don't you give us kind of a rundown of who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff? All right. Uh, I'm Matt Kishalik. I'm one of the conservation wardens in Dane County. Um, originally from Dane County, grew up in Stoughton. And last year, I actually transferred down from Bayfield County, where I was a conservation warden up there for almost six years. And I came back to work the uh, home area around Stoughton here, and it's good to be back. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. How, how did you get into, like, the outdoors, and how did all this stuff start to interest you? Did you grow up in a home where, you know, outdoor stuff was just the norm? Definitely. I grew up fishing and hunting. Um, my family has a, a cabin or a cottage on Lake Puckaway up on the Fox River up in Green Lake County. And spent my youth fishing and duck hunting and just grew up in an outdoor family, constantly chasing stuff on the weekends. And once I grew a little bit older, I started uh, hunting a lot more in between school and just I like it, you know, Wisconsin is just blessed with the outdoors that we have, and we definitely take it for granted sometimes of all the clean water and all the, the game that we have in Wisconsin to chase. Yeah, absolutely, man. That That's what motivated me to start this podcast. Somebody coming from the deep south, moving up to Wisconsin, it's like, man, the opportunities are everywhere. Even, even in a county like Dane County, we got Madison right there, but just outside of Madison, there are so many uh, opportunities, so many pieces of public land that you can get out and recreate on that are that are not just, you know, hey, it's an open piece of land that you can get out on, but they're quality properties. Yeah, there's a lot of different game, and I was surprised moving back, um, living up north, uh, day in and day out. I mean, we have bobcats, wolves. Uh, we've had moose that would come through up there, mountain lions. And in Dane County, the past couple of years, we've had just an uptick in bobcats. Um, we're having a few wolves come down from the north and uh, a lot more bear sightings. Wow. So we're starting to get a lot more game and stuff in, in Dane County, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah, man, that's, that's really interesting that that kind of stuff is – is moving back in. So growing up in this general area and, you know, then moving away and then returning, how would you say the hunting has changed over the years? Like, would you say things have gotten better? Things have gotten worse. They've stayed pretty steady. I think, uh, Ding County, um, just like you said, there is a fair amount of public land. 
Uh, it can be kind of crowded at times, but man, the hunting here is phenomenal, especially deer hunting. We have a lot of big deer down here and we have just a ton of federal land, state land, county land that guys can get out and recreate on in Dane County. So I think the, the hunting opportunity around Dane County is, is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that you mentioned there are big deer here, I'm going to have to go back and edit out the word Dane every time we've said it that way. It's just a bleep. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I kid, I, you know, I, I do, I do kind of poke fun at some of my uh, brothers and sisters that like to head up North uh, for, for deer hunting. And, and I get it, you know, the camaraderie thing and all of that, but it's like, man, a lot of the folks that I talk to don't even bother hunting right around home. And it's like, dude, the opportunities that we have, you know, right outside your door basically are, are fantastic. So, um, I'm curious, man, how did you become a conservation warden, uh, for the state of Wisconsin? Like, how did that develop? Is that something you always knew you wanted to do? So I actually know I grew up in a photography family. My dad's a photographer, my sister, my brother, and that was something I always wanted to be as a kid. And then later on in high school, I kind of got the itch of, I wanted to work for the DNR. And at first I wanted to work for fisheries. Um, and then I started looking at becoming a bird biologist. And then, you know, I was checked by a conservation warrant a couple of times as a kid. And I just really got enamored with law enforcement. And then it just kind of clicked, you know, a game where it would be the correct route for me. And I kind of shifted my schooling and, um, it took a while to get hired with the DNR. I got hired as a, a park ranger where I was working law enforcement in our state parks. And then, uh, I finally got my, uh, job offer as a conservation warden. And yeah, it, it was the best decision of my life to become a conservation warden. Wow. Wow. So has, you know, I've talked to several folks from the DNR and a lot of them have worked for other states in different settings and that kind of thing. So you've been Wisconsin based the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Man, that's great. That's great. Well, I want to tell a brief story uh, here. If you can, can humor me, I want to bring listeners in on uh, how we met. So we've run into each other twice now. Uh, the first one was at a time that a lot of listeners to this podcast are familiar with. It was when I shot a big deer in October, right in the middle of October, last, uh, deer season. When I went back to, to, to look for the deer, you, you pulled up and like, Hey, what you doing? Cause I think I was just kind of awkwardly sitting by the road and, uh, you checked me out. We talked for a little bit and we talked about a deer that we had possibly both seen. You maybe had run into it. Uh, and you check my license and all that good stuff. And we got off looking for the deer and, uh, we're not able to recover it. But then the second time that we met is actually when I had to call the DNR to report a wildlife violation. And I had to report myself because I had accidentally shot two Jake's, uh, at the same time with the same shot. How common is that for you guys to run into in the spring? Um, it's fairly common. That was probably my second or third call in the spring of someone doubling up and um, self-reporting that they shot more than one bird. Yeah, would you, so for guys that, that do make that mistake, would I'm guessing you would encourage them like, hey, make the call rather than allow that to be a mistake that someone tries to hide or cover up. 
hundred percent. Uh, big thing that we look for is honesty. A lot of us turkey hunt, um, in our hunters. So we know that mistakes can happen and it's, it's just so easy. We have so many turkeys in Wisconsin and especially if you turkey hunt, you know, that those birds sometimes come in tight and you do everything you can to try to make a, a good ethical shot and stuff happens. Yeah. So biggest thing we look for is yeah self-reporting and not trying to cover anything up. Big thing is honesty for us. And, um, you definitely made the right call and it was a good education moment. I think for you, maybe to wait a little bit on a shot or I'm sure you're not ever going to do that again. (laughs) No, that, I, that was certainly a learning opportunity. That's the first time that's ever happened to me. And man, I thought for sure that, that the other one was, was clear, but, um, you know, anyway, it, it did end up happening, but to my surprise, I called and reported and, uh, I believe it was on a Tuesday. Maybe it was the weekend. I can't remember. I think it might've been a Saturday actually. And to my surprise, when I called, uh, the people that I got on the phone, I was like, Hey, I made this mistake. And they were like, all right, we totally understand. We get it. Thanks for telling us. We'll have somebody come out. And then you came out and you were like, all right, cool, man. Totally understand. Here's a rundown. Like try to be careful moving forward and that kind of stuff. But, uh, it was totally opposite of kind of what I thought could happen. You know, calling your calling in on yourself, you think, man, they're going to grill me. They're going to, you know, this is going to be a bad experience. It's going to be embarrassing, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, man, between the time I made the phone call and the time you showed up, there was none of that. It was actually a, a pretty easy process. And, you know, I think that, um, I would certainly encourage folks to, to do the same thing. Just go ahead and, and clear the air, get it out there. And, uh, yeah, be honest because, um, yeah, you guys don't bite unless you have to. No, and it's, it's a fairly common call. I mean, we run into it with, uh, deer, um, during the Halloween season. Sometimes people shoot uh, a spike that they really can't identify and brush. Um, bears a person shoots a short bear they kind of misjudge it the biggest thing we look for is honesty and a lot of those experiences um i try to make it positive for the hunter because that is the most ethical thing you can do is call it and say that you made a mistake and i try to tell people you know it's it's your duty as a sportsman to try to make it right next time to make that um ethical kill or to make a, a good harvest next time just so that they don't get discouraged and don't want to go back out in the woods. Yeah, for sure. And it, man, you certainly made it a positive experience for me. And, you know, I think I learned, I learned from that mistake better because I called and because I got to talk with you than if I had just tried to cover it up and be like, eh, I'll try not to do that again kind of thing. You know, it was, it was more of a learning experience than if I had, you know, just tried to cover it up or, a better learning experience than if you'd come out and been like, Hey, you big jerk, I'm writing you a ticket. Here's the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And the fine is, is not cheap whatsoever. And no one likes to have their bird taken. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, let, I want to talk a little bit about what a day in the life of a conservation warden looks like, because I think a lot of folks may have some misconceptions there. There may be the the idea that you just wander around the woods all day hoping to write a ticket to somebody. Uh, and then the other idea is maybe that 
um, you just, you know, maybe get stuck in the office doing paperwork all day. What does a day in your life look like? It really depends on the season. Um, we do spend a, a fair amount of time in the office and doing paperwork. I mean, I wish growing up that they would show that on cops because maybe I would have took a different job. Because <laughs> <laughs> a, a fair amount of, uh, of my time is spent in the office following up on stuff and doing paperwork. Um, just like any other job. I mean, you got to sit down and get your work done, but no, it's, it's, it's day to day. It, it changes quite a bit and you could be doing, um, boat enforcement and then you could be called out on any hunting case, uh, accident. Um, our job is there's no normal day whatsoever with us. Yeah. I'm sure that keeps it interesting as well. Definitely. Um, it kind of complicates things too, just because we get to know a variety of regulations and, um, just a, a broad knowledge of stuff that we regulate and enforce. I think people would be kind of surprised on all the different things that we regulate and enforce with the DNR. Um, whether that's we do septic enforcement, uh, hunting, fishing, a big thing that we're doing during the summer now is working in our state parks for the law enforcement. Um, in our state parks, we help out different agencies with LE calls, domestics, uh, accident. I mean, I kind of call it the, the Swiss army knife for the state just because we can be <laughs> plugged in anywhere. And, uh, we have a broad knowledge and skill set to bring to, um, different agencies and different equipment. We have both ATVs, snowmobiles, um, underwater cameras. We're using drones now for different, um, enforcement and, to document uh, our wreck vehicle accidents. So, yeah, we we do a lot for the state that I don't think a lot of people realize. Man, so you guys get called in, like, in support of other, I guess, arms of the state from time to time? Yeah, we typically help out our local um, municipalities and jurisdictions. Uh, we get brought in a lot for... Um, like the Capitol protest, anything going on in the Capitol, we would help out. Um, just cause we are law enforcement for the state. We get pulled in different directions and we try to assist our community as much as we can. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. Their gear is made for outdoorsmen by outdoorsmen. Archery openers are just around the corner, and Tacticam has just released several new products to help you share your hunt and take your scouting to the next level. Topping the list is their 6.0 point-of-view camera, providing 4K footage and a user-friendly waterproof package. They've also just released the new Solo Extreme, giving you HD footage, 3-8x to zoom, and one-touch operation. And Tacticam's lineup of point-of-view cameras is supported by the best mounts and adapters on the market. This fall, I'll be using their Bose stabilizer mount as well as their bendy clamp mount to make sure my cameras don't miss any of the action. And last but not least, Tacticam just launched the Reveal X Pro. 
With no visible flash, built-in LCD screen, and built-in GPS tracking, the Reveal X Pro will help you take your scouting to the next level. You can learn more about these and Tacticam's entire line of products at Tacticam.com or RevealCellCam.com. This episode is also brought to you by DeerLab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. DeerLab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. DeerLab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, deer, turkeys, people, whatever. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target, and you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you occasionally forget to set the correct time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can get a free trial on there for 30 days, and then when you're ready to buy, use the code WISCONSIN at checkout for 20% off of any plan. Now let's get back to the show. What are some of the craziest calls or the, you know, the craziest things you've come up on uh, during your time as a game warden? Um, I guess one funny story. I have a lot of stories from up north because that's where a lot of my um, career was so far. But uh, up north, we get a lot of bear calls. Um, I got a call once from one of our staff that a bear actually broke into the lady's house and she had a bunch of sweets and stuff on the counter. The bear went past all her sweets on her counter while she was in the house and it came through the screen door and actually broke into her liquor cabinet. What? And started to chomp at and drink vodka that she had up in her cabinet. (laughs) And she was able to get away, go upstairs, lock herself in the bathroom and when the fire department came, they had to take her out through the um, bathroom window. And downstairs, the bear was passed out from consuming all the alcohol that she had in the house. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so the bear had actually the bear had actually gotten drunk and passed out. Correct. That, yep. is, <laughs> that is amazing. That is absolutely man. That is uh, that's not something that you run into every day. No, it's not. But uh, yeah, our Wisconsin black bears, I guess, can drink. Yeah. Hey man, you know what? Did, did you guys help him get like enrolled in a program to kick the habit or? We, we didn't have the opportunity when, uh, the fire department and stuff showed up, they were actually able to shoot him out of the house oh, as okay. best they could. All right. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he kicked the habit. <laughs> hopefully he's done with all of that. Well, so the, the next thing I kind of want to dive into um, is hunter and outdoorsman's interactions with conservation wardens. And the reason I want to cover it is because, you know, growing up, I, I grew up in the deep south. We would get, you know, the Coast Guard would come and board our boat and check us out, make sure we've got all of our stuff or, you know, run into a game warden on a public land piece and they check you out, check your guns and all that good stuff, make sure that everybody's being safe and all of that but it was always kind of an intimidating thing for me. It was always like a, like, Oh, what, what if I did something wrong? Like, what if I, what if I messed up? So it always kind of put me on the, on the defensive a little bit of like, what if there's something wrong that I'm doing that I don't even know about? So tell me a little bit about uh, how folks can contribute to having a positive interaction with you or another conservation warden. If they were to run into you, let's say when they're out duck hunting or deer hunting. Um, biggest thing we kind of look for and want to take control is, is safety. So 
usually when we do hunter attacks, we typically will ask where your firearm or bow or crossbow is, and we want to make that safe. We want to make sure it's in a, a safe direction or have you unlock your arrow or take your bow out of your crossbow and unload your firearm if we ask you to. So the biggest thing that we kind of ask and look for is just to, we'll tell you how the interaction is going gonna, is gonna to go. We're going to ask for your firearm. We're going to see where it's at. We're going to make sure that everyone's safe in the contact. And then from then, it's mostly it's just a simple license check that we're going to do. Make sure you have all the required stamps, licenses, approvals. And then simply, I like to ask what people are seeing just because I get called every single day of, you know, where are the ducks flying? Um, are you seeing a lot of deer? Where should I go pheasant hunting type of thing? And I try to steer our public and hunters and fishermen um, in the right direction mm. because that's what I feel my job is, is to protect the resources and then also make sure that people are out enjoying them as well. Yeah, man, that and that's one of the things that I have really loved. Um, anytime that I've had somebody from the DNR on this show, it, that that piece always comes through where folks are saying, hey, we want to ensure people are having a quality experience. It's, we don't just want them out there on the land, using the land and taking the opportunities that they have, but it's, man, we want to make sure they're having a good time. We want to make sure that they're seeing deer or finding pheasants or getting on fish or or whatever that, that may be. Um, so, man, that, that's awesome to learn about. What do you run into from folks maybe from time to time where you're like, boy, they, they made this whole situation way worse than it needed to be. Like if they had just given me their license and not put up a fuss about it, things would have been great. Do you run into a lot of issues? Uh, not typically. I mean, I always say that people have a bad day. Um, and when they're all recreating, I mean, no one likes to get called out for stuff that they're doing something wrong. And, uh, I think a lot of people take a lot of pride on being a good sportsman and a good fisherman. Um, so I typically don't have a, a ton of bad, uh, interactions. Typically if I do, there's some past issue that someone's bringing up and, um, but for the most part, everyone is, is pretty decent with us. Good, good. So tell me about maybe some of the, some of the common things that you have to cite people for. So I'm guessing your goal when you wake up in the morning is not, I wonder how many tickets I can write today, right? If people would realize how long it takes for us to write a ticket, I mean, it is not enjoyable. <laughs> so your, every, your every goal is zero. I write is, is probably an hour in the office that I'm not in the field. I'm not walking around or interacting with the public. I have to actually sit down and write out a citation to somebody. So no, that is not our goal whatsoever. Our goal is, is voluntary compliance or basically to educate the public so that that issue does not happen in the, uh, the future. Yeah. What um, are, what are maybe some of the common citations or whatever that you have to write um, that you run into a lot that are maybe easily avoidable if folks would pay closer attention to the regulations or whatever? So with bowl season coming up, um, we have a lot of people um, in Dane County and some of our GWD counties that actually still bait. So they're throwing out corn or mineral um, early, and they're actually using it throughout the season. 
So we write a lot of baiting tickets in our no bait counties or feeding tickets. Um, that's an easy thing that you can avoid. I know that Walmart and Cabela's um, and a lot of those areas sell bait and feed, but you cannot use them in those no bait or feed counties. Yeah. Man, that, it, that's always so strange to me how your local Walmart will just have pallets of corn uh, in counties where it's like, it's not legal to bait in this county or any of the surrounding counties. So why do you sell pallets of corn? Yeah, I never really understood that. Um, in the past, we've asked them to put up signs or try to work with them a little bit just so that the public is educated. But I guess, you know, you could in Madison buy a bag of corn and take it up north and take it to your cabin and legally use it. Yeah. But some of the other violations uh, that we're seeing right now is tree stands being set up on state land or they're still there from last year. Um, So if you're south of Highway 64, they have to be removed every single day. And um, we have stands being put up right now. when they're put up, they're not, they don't have name and address or customer ID number, trail cameras. I just saw one the other day, a cell cam that didn't have any information on it on state land. Um, that's a pretty common violation in the area here. Um, cutting shooting lanes. Um, those are all typical violations in the fall. Yeah. So tell me, I've done some reading in the regulations and I've, I've never been one to cut shooting lanes just because, you know, that's part of hunting public land. You just, just leave it alone. But then I've also talked with other folks who are like, well, if it's below, you know, one inch in diameter and you cut flush with the tree, it's okay. Explain the the regulations around uh, trimming for me. Uh, Mostly it comes down to, you can't cut shooting lanes. Um, so you have an easier shot. We do allow for some trimming. Um, like if you're putting up a tree stand on state land, if you have a climber or something like that, as long as it's yeah, under an inch and you're not going to mow down the tree, you're not going to limit up as you, as you go up. But the biggest thing we see, especially during gun season is people take out four to six inch trees just so that they have a clear shooting lane on our state land. And so you're taking away future trees that somebody can hang that a tree stand in in 50, 60 years when you do that. So not necessarily wrong to do a little bit of trimming if you need to, to get a stand in the tree, but shooting lanes, big no, no. Yep. Okay. Got it. Well, that that's helpful. That's helpful. Cause that, yeah, as I've talked with other people about it, that it's confused me because I'm just like, well, if that tree's got a stick in the way of where I want to be, I'm just not going to mess with it. I'm going to go find, uh, going to go find another tree. Um, what are some of the more common, I guess, calls that you guys get? So there's one way where people interact with with you, and that's when you know you're just out doing license checks or something like that. We run into you on the property. Then there's the other side where people, you know, you get called to come out and investigate something or check someone out. What are some of the common calls that you get where people are reporting? Um, during the fall, we get people will find bait or illegal tree stand. Those are some of the common violations. Um, especially around the Dane County area here. Uh, 
other calls, we get hunter harassment in some of our more populated areas. Uh, people out legally hunting or fishing, and someone has a problem with that. That's a typical call for us, especially duck hunting in the area here. We get a lot of calls like that. Uh, shooting before hours. Um, we get shiny complaints still. People not registering their deer is a pretty common one. Mm. Just a, a variety of stuff. Yeah. I, I want to touch on that piece for just a second about um, people calling you for in, in maybe some of the more highly populated areas to report people hunting. Maybe they just maybe it's a legal place to hunt, but they just don't like people hunting out there, especially if it's waterfowl or something like that. How do you handle those situations? Because you you have a, a probably an angry either homeowner or someone who lives close by. But then you've got a, a law-abiding citizen out there doing what is legal to do. How do you walk that road between the two who can't really see eye to eye? Typically, we try to mediate both sides. A lot of it is um, misconception or the homeowner just is not educated on what people can and cannot do. They have a law that they think they've heard before or I don't know you, you try to mediate the frustration and educate the homeowner as best you can and then make sure that the hunter is hunting legally that they're not too close to someone's house um, I always tell people just to be the, the nicest person that you can to the person that's frustrated and then if they continue make sure that you record it I mean every, every one of us has a, a camera on our cell phone but they record that interaction and it only helps us um, to investigate it and kind of see what's going on. Let's circle back. Another thing that you mentioned is hunter harassment uh, issues that come up. Um, how should somebody navigate that situation? You know, they got somebody either uh, parked just off of where they're hunting, honking their horn or somebody yelling at them while they're in the tree. Uh, what should somebody do? Try not to engage with that person. Um, if possible, try to document, uh, whether that be on your camera or record the conversation and then give us a call, um, with all the facts so that we can follow up and investigate. Okay. Is that something that's becoming more common? Would you say? It kind of goes in cycles. Uh, typically it's, the same landowner. Um, we actually see it more, I think with waterfowl hunters. Um, but Interesting. yeah. Why, why do you think you see it more with waterfowl hunters? Well, around Dane County, we only have so much water and people are kind of venturing out and exploring new areas. And just a lot of people are uneducated on, waterfowl hunting and um, people being able to, as long as their feet are wet and they're in waters of the state that they completely hunt. On that front, I guess, of misunderstanding and educating folks, are what are some of the, the regulations that you run into a lot that maybe the public just doesn't understand? Maybe it's hunters who don't, who don't understand, you know, this, this or that thing. And it's, it's kind of news to them when you show up and it's like, Hey buddy, you can't do that. 
I guess uh, duck hunting, we, we see it a lot with people shooting too early or shooting too late. Um, that's a common violation. Uh, shooting too close to houses, I see that a lot on some of our properties with guys out present hunting. They don't realize that a lot of our houses that are around state land, they actually have to be 100 yards from. When that rooster gets up, we see a lot of people that are within that, and they're shooting right next to somebody's house. Or I had a case last year of someone actually shot a pheasant in someone's backyard mm. just because they get caught up wow. <laughs> and getting their their second bird, or and that's just a a bad interaction to have with a landowner that might give you permission to access a, a piece of state land that's gonna not make you walk two miles or three miles back to get in that section of woods when you can knock on their door and um, ask for permission to access that piece of the property. Man. So uh, deer season is right around the corner. We're recording this close to the end of August. So just a couple of weeks away from the opener. Are there any changes to regulations this year that people need to be aware of or any changes to the season structure that people need to know about? No, not really. A lot of it is uh, consistent with last year. Um, so we like to have people brush up on the rule book, uh, make sure that everyone has a hunting time, and just make sure that if you're going to be hunting public property, especially that you're paying ten- attention to some of the seasons that we have, the youth season, that you're going to be wearing your orange um, if there is a firearm season. And that also our hunters know um, when the handler season is that you can't shoot bucks during that time. That's a pretty common violation that we see every year now. And guys out shooting bucks during the handler only season for the state. Gotcha. Now, is that like the, um, is that like the, I guess there's one in our area in December usually? Is that when you're seeing December, it? Yep, December, and then uh, during the holiday hunt. Gotcha, gotcha. We see that as well. Okay. So, yeah, all right. So, folks, go read your uh, read your regulations, get all brushed up and ready for, uh, for the year ahead. Uh, Matt, as somebody who's on the ground, you know, on a day-to-day basis, seeing what uh, is out there, I'm curious if you can give me a, a little bit of a report, one on the turkey hunting side of things and two on the deer hunting side of things. Let's talk about turkey because deer is what everybody wants to hear about right now. Uh, how are you seeing uh, or what are you seeing regarding uh, poult recruitment this year? I am seeing a lot of, uh, of poults um, pult near our state land here in the Dane County area, which is good. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of turkeys. Hopefully we have a nice mild winter and they're all going to make it through and we'll have a, a pretty good season next year. Yeah, man, that's, that's good to hear. I was reading an article or uh, I guess some, some preliminary findings from turkeys for tomorrow the other day. And, uh, in their study range, they basically had, um, not a single poult, uh, had made it through of the hens that they were, uh, that they were studying or something like that. And I thought, man, that is that is really, really depressing. And I was out uh, yesterday, actually, uh, and saw two hens with no poults. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope they're, 
I hope they're around here somewhere. I hope there's a little bit better recruitment uh, in the yep. area than what I'm than than what that report indicates and what I'm seeing. No, I I've been seeing a lot of Colts uh, in the area here, so I'm kind of excited about next season. Awesome, awesome. What about on the deer front? Then are you seeing uh, lots of fawns, lots of does with fawns? Are you seeing uh, good antler growth for this time of year? How's it looking? I've been seeing a lot of fawns, uh, actually some double fawns with some of does. Um, I haven't seen a lot of bucks uh, this year to really judge antler growth or anything like that. Um, but I know I've been hearing a lot more car deer accidents on the radio, so it seems like the deer are starting to move a little bit more now. And um, and see a lot of good crops, so hopefully it's going to be a good fall for hunters. Yeah. Well, I got to know, last question that I'm going to throw your way. Uh, this is going to be a, a little bit of a hunting, um, hunting-related question. It's opening day, normal temperatures, normal winds, just kind of your average opening day of archery season. What's the one spot that you want to be set up on, specifically for, for our area here in Dane County? I'd probably find some good oak trees and a good oak flat would be my strategy. Look for some of those bucks uh, eating acorns in that early season. Well, Matt, thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Where can folks go if they want to, uh, you know, brush up on their regulation knowledge and all that good stuff heading into deer season? They can go on our state website, uh, the Wisconsin Deer and our website, and just search hunting regulations. Uh, one nice thing that we have for the past couple of years is we've actually combined a lot of our regulations into one book. So you don't have to carry around five or six books anymore. It's all in one book, and um, you can get those at our local service centers. Some of our state parks have those, or you can download them all on your phone. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Good luck this fall. You too. Thanks. And that is all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Matt Kashalik for coming on. Uh, it was a great guest. Had a good time recording with him. Also, big shout out to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Deer Lab. Go show them some love. Like I said earlier, they help me keep this thing going each and every single week. Now it's time for you to get outside, be shooting your bow, get your last minute stands up, do whatever work you need to do to make sure that on opening day, you are ready to go. But just make sure that you're doing something to get outside and enjoy the incredible resource that is ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.